The Lord be with you. This past January, I and several other members of Faith Lutheran Church had the privilege of traveling to the Holy Land. It's actually where I got this stole that I'm wearing today. It was handmade by local Palestinians, given to me as a gift, uh, as part of my journey there. But one of the many things that we got to do while we were there was sail on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, which is where our scriptures take place today. There we are on the boats. You'll see the boat's a little bigger than the one that Jesus and his disciples probably sailed around and fished on. Yeah, fair enough. But because the boat was a little bit bigger, it meant that when we got into the middle of the lake, the captain of the boat stopped the boat, and then he came out on the deck and he started dancing. And I got a picture of it here, of him dancing. I don't know if you can see him. He's far in the back in the red shirt. And some of us were cheering him on. We're like, wow, this is great. And then the captain of the boat, he motions for us to start dancing with him. And at that point, we got unsure about this whole situation. Yeah, we're like, oh. And that's what we see happening today in Matthew. Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection on a mountain beside the Sea of Galilee. And it says that his disciples worshipped him, but some of them doubted. And as I explained on Christmas, the doubt of these disciples, it can't be the doubt of Jesus' resurrection, right? They saw Jesus killed on the cross and they see him alive now. They're not doubting that he has risen from the dead. No, what they're doubting is that it's such a great idea to worship this guy. They're doubting that it'll be a good idea to follow in his footsteps because it may look good when he does it, but if they try to follow where he did, they may fall down on their faces and look like fools, which is exactly how we felt when the captain of the boat started inviting us to dance with him. Yeah? And you may think to yourself, well, this is going to be where the dancing metaphor breaks down. But no, we're just getting started. Because here's the thing. Jesus, to these disciples, to the ones who worship him, to the ones who worship him and doubt, he doesn't say, hey, I hear some of you are doubting, let me address your concerns and explain things. No, he does the same thing that the captain of the boat did to us. He just grabs them by the hand and says, all right, you're joining in. He says to the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. He doesn't say, except for those of you who doubted, we'll have a little side conference later. No, all of you. You're all going to do the same action. And he says to start this action by baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit comprise what we as Christians have come to know as the Trinity, which is this wild idea that we have one God, but this one God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that these persons, each one of them by themselves, is fully God, and each one of these persons is different from the other persons, and yet all of them together are one God. If you think about it too long, it makes your head hurt. I get that. But my hope for today is that it might make sense of our call to make disciples. And to help us make sense of that, there's a word I want to share with you. That word is perichoresis. Yeah, there it is spelled out for you. Perichoresis. It looks like a long word, but it's made up of two smaller words, peri and choresis, or in Greek, choreo. Peri, it means around. You know this word, a perimeter, 
a perimeter, right? A perimeter is the measurement around something. You know peri. Choreo is confusing. Ironically, choreo sounds like choreography, yeah? When you're writing a dance, and I say it's ironic because in Greek, they have more vowels than we do in English. So in Greek, the word for dancing is choreo, whereas this word is choreo. I know, right? They're two different words. This one means to move from one position to another. And I say it's ironic that it sounds like the word from dancing, because if you move from one position into another position and you do that in a round, what are you doing? You're dancing, yeah? So much so that scholars have come to call this the dance of the Trinity. And, and, and you can see this in Christian architecture. If you go to Europe and visit cathedrals, you might see this symbol uh, built into windows, right? It's a, it's a symbol that looks like three persons, each moving into each other's space, each flowing into each other's position. And scholars like this language of the dance of the Trinity because in Eastern Mediterranean dances, like the one that they tried to teach me, those dances are a little different from the dances we do over here, right? right? Like if you go to the disco, you might just be dancing by yourself, or if you're doing a formal ballroom dance, there's a leader position and a follower position. But in the circle dances of Israel, everyone has at the same time the same position, and also they swap position, because you have maybe one position for a moment, but as soon as you do the position, you move so that the next person can do the same position. And the same is true of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we have a tendency to think, well, you know, God the Father is the Creator, and God the Son, Jesus, is the Redeemer who died for us on the cross, and God the Holy Spirit is the way that God is present and active for us now, sustaining us. But the mystery of the Trinity is, in fact, that all three persons of the Trinity are doing this work together, all the way back in creation. Genesis 1 starts by saying, In the beginning, when God was making the heavens and the earth, the Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. The Spirit was there, working with God the Father to bring forth creation, and not just the Spirit. The beginning of John's Gospel tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that all things came into being through the Word. And this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? The Word is Jesus, but John is telling us that through Jesus all things came into being. So Jesus, the Son of God, is also participating in the act of creation from the beginning of time. It may be that for a moment... One of the dancers in the Trinity is more visible to us, more obvious, but that's just for a moment as they invite the other members of the Trinity to enter into that role and as they move into the roles that the others of the Trinity just had. And in that way, we can think that just like in a circle dance, where there's only one dance, but every single purpose, every single person is doing the entirety of the dance, So it is with God. Each person of the Trinity is entirely God, and yet together they are one God. All right. So this is the Trinity, the dance of the Trinity, and in that mutual flowing into and out of each other's spaces, the joy that comes from that dance brings forth the love and life of all creation. 
And our first calling to make disciples, Jesus says, is to baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are to baptize people into that dance of the Trinity. We are to make people part of that movement of love. We are to pour out that mutual sharing and receiving that joy that God gives us on people. We do that most literally by dunking people in water or sometimes pouring water over them in the font. But I want us to imagine what it would mean to expand our understanding of baptizing people into the dance of the Trinity. To imagine what it might mean to pour out God's love on people through random acts of kindness, right? They may not understand why we're doing what we're doing, just as the baby who we pour water over may not understand the trinity into which we're baptizing them. And if we're honest, the adults which we dunk in the creek don't understand the trinity into which we're baptizing them any better. Let's be real. But they know that in that moment they are being surrounded by a love that is bigger than them that they can feel, that they can touch. That is what we are called to do, to baptize people into God's love, whether it is with water or an interaction that happens randomly with someone we meet on the street. To be like the captain of the boat, grabbing someone by the hand and say, hey, come join me. Experience this joy that you don't yet know how to make sense of. But then, of course, we do want to help people make sense of it. And that's why the second thing that Jesus tells us to do is to teach people, to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And with this, I want to be clear. When Jesus says to teach, he's not telling us to to teach to a test, right? There's no theology quiz that Jesus wants us to learn. He says to teach them to obey, to teach people to act, to do to live out. And if you want to teach someone to do something, the way you do it is to model that action for them. And then having modeled that action for them, you invite them to do it with you so that you can be there to say, that's right, those are the steps of the dance. It's what the boat captain did for us after taking us by the hand and bringing us into the circle, which we didn't make any sense of. He started to say, okay, you move your foot like this, you move your foot like this, and then behind like this. And we kind of looked, and we started going along with him, and he dragged us through the steps until we figured it out. This is what we are called to do. We've got a team here at Faith Lutheran called the Equipping Ministry Team. And their goal is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, or maybe put more simply, to help us as a church make disciples. And the Equipping Team has a mantra. Never do ministry alone. Never do ministry alone. It doesn't matter if maybe you're going to go visit someone who's lonely. We'll invite a friend to go visit that person with you so that now your friend has a relationship also with the person who is lonely. And in that moment, you've helped to make another disciple. Or say you're cooking food for someone who's hungry. Well, when you cook the food, invite someone over to cook the food with you that they might see how simple it is to serve your neighbor in Christ. Or maybe... You're serving as a greeter on Sunday morning. Invite a friend to greet with you and show them the joy of getting to be the friendly face that welcomes people to faith. Whatever ministry it is you do, take a dance partner and show them the steps that they might dance along with you and that the dance continues to grow. The third thing Jesus tells his disciples 
about making disciples is to remember that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Because here's the thing. When we started dancing on that boat, right, we'd gotten instruction on how to dance. We'd followed along for a little bit. But within 10 seconds, half of us were tripping over our own feet. Yeah? And you know what happened? The dance kept going because it wasn't us alone as individuals doing the dance. We were doing the dance together as a circle. And so when one of us forgot the steps, we could look over and see someone else who remembered them. And by following them, we could remember, oh yeah, this is how I get back into the rhythm of this dance. And so it is with us as disciples. Jesus says, well, of course you're going to mess up. Of course you're going to fall on your face. But that's okay because you're not dancing alone. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are there with you every single step of the way so that when you stumble, they have you by the hand and teach you to get back up. They can remind you the rhythm of grace into which you have been called. And when we remember aloud the times that God has taken us by the hand and taught us once more how to dance, when we remember that aloud for other people to hear, we encourage them to know that when they stumble, there is a God there to support them. We give those people a template to remember to how to get back into the tempo of the Trinity. And so one of the greatest gifts that we can do is to remember in front of other people how God has helped us when we have fallen, to testify. All right, so Jesus gives us three things that we are called to do when we make disciples. The first is to baptize, right, to join people into that mysterious love of the Trinity. We are to teach them obey, to teach them to obey, to show them through our own actions how they might live out Christ's commandments. And third, we are to remember that Christ is with us always so that when we stumble, we might not give up but look to the one who dances with us still, knowing that the dance goes on. But I want to bring up that slide one more time. Uh, let's actually go to the... We'll go back. All right. Those three things, they're all done in a context which is to make disciples. Jesus is telling his disciples, your job as a disciple is to make disciples. So what do you think the job of the disciples they make is to do? To make disciples. Yeah, so there's a secret fourth step in all this, which is that the disciples that we as disciples make are now called to go make other disciples. Yeah? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and this is why I send you out to make disciples of all the nations. And I want to be clear about the authority that Jesus uses to make disciples. In Matthew's Gospel, where this story comes from, Authority is talked a lot about with regards to Jesus, but it's always spoken of when Jesus heals someone. They say, wow, he does this with authority. Or when he forgives someone, he says, you think I have authority to do this? Let me heal this person. You can ask which requires more authority. When Jesus teaches Scripture in a new way that instead of confining people, sets them free, the people say, wow, he teaches with authority. The authority that Jesus has been given, the authority that Jesus uses to make disciples is not an authority of authoritarian power from the top down and forcing. It's the authority of joy. The authority of the fullness of life. It's the authority 
that makes you want to take someone's hand when they invite you onto the dance floor. Right? That's the authority of someone who's having so much fun out there, so much joy, that even though you're afraid you'll make a fool of yourself in front of everyone else, the authority that they have in that moment is strong enough to draw you out of the seat and cause you to join in in the dance. That is Jesus' authority. That is the authority that he has given us. It's the authority that comes from having been joined into the dance of the Trinity, having been taught the steps by the one we trust and love, by having been reminded when we stumble that we can get back into the rhythm. It is that authority that sends us out in joy to invite others to join the dance with us, that we might teach them the same, that we might remind them as we have been reminded, and that we might send them out to repeat the process until all the world is joining hands together spinning in a circle of love whose joy brings forth a new creation. Amen.